You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I am your co-host, Christopher Mukigana Harrington, joined by my whatever direction you want to go long enough in any cardinal area, Brandon Howard Thurston. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great. And this is not just any edition of WrestleNomics Radio. This is a WrestleMania edition of WrestleNomics Radio, isn't it? It is, though I I don't know if the WrestleMania edition of WrestleNomics Radio is as exciting as the annual report edition of the WrestleNomics Radio. That is true. I don't know if people appreciate enough the annual report edition of WrestleNomics Radio. Yeah, I think that's the issue for for at least what we do is uh, I feel like it's uh, more interesting or the or the business to me in some ways. I think the business partner summit is the the one topic that I've kind of cornered the market on in terms of master of the business partner summit. By that, you mean I'm the only person who is paying attention to it for several years. running. it, It is a scandal that you are not allowed to go to the business partner summit this year. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. You know, we did hear from uh, George Berrios on the WWE uh, subscriber uh, call, mm-hmm. post WrestleMania subscriber call that you know several of these people, these anal- these uh, investors were there, yeah. and yet they told me that this was not open to the media. Mm-hmm. So apparently these these guys are are clearly not journalists. They are investors. So perhaps we need to rename wow. this the WrestleNomics Trust Fund. Or uh, oh, that's a great idea. Russell Nomans investors. Let's rename America. Let's let's rename the the patron edition of, of this show again, and we'll just call it some, something that sounds like we're a real financial advisement firm or something like that. That's that's true. We we do have a super serve 
edition subscribers only yeah. for um, an episode came out today uh this this we're recording on monday night this is the latest we've ever recorded in a day by the way but yeah we recorded an up a 23 minute episode earlier today what is what a very particular amount of time that's because i well the audio engineer let me know exactly what the time was so it's stuck in my head <laughs> it was also because mookie was at an airport and about six times during our conversation was interrupted by gate gate calls and probably did the entire thing talking in a voice kind of like this as if it was a secret between Brandon and I. Yes. So everyone should check that out because we we did that minutes after W ended his conference call where they announced what the W network subscriber numbers were. Yeah. And there was some good Q and a afterwards. We talked about that on the show. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Russellnomics, check it out. And, uh, that, that's just some of the super serve subscriber content that we are continuing to produce on a weekly basis. The super serve subscriber financial firm. I think. Yeah. Is that, is that long I, enough? Well, I feel like if we took the Patreon money and then used it to invest in WWE, we'd oh. be veering into uh, Aero Lucha territory yeah. where you're doing crowdfunding and, and uh, SEC filings and investment activity. Yeah, SEC would, filings. Do you think they're really subject to the SEC, the publicly traded company? Uh, Aero Lucha, Aero Lucha has to do some SEC filings, yeah. Because oh. when you do the crowdsourced uh, funding, it's through an SEC established way of getting money, and oh. so it's they have to file a bunch of stuff. That's how I knew the Harris twins, for instance, had in, how much they had invested. Ah, oh, okay. We talked about it. Uh, how had, each one of them had done like seventy seven thousand dollars, and they were the second largest investors in the company, and all that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of you know, minor stuff that they filed to do the crowdfunding and uh, props to Jimmy Van at uh, Fightful. Did you see uh, the article he wrote where he asked uh, the Arrow Arrow Lucha guys about the strange influx of $50,000 that appeared? I did. He he added both of us and I I read it. He he asked uh, the CEO, Jason Brown, right? He asked him yeah. directly. Uh, it looks like via email uh, what the deal was with the $50,000 uh, investment. Yeah, and he said, uh, great question. Appreciate your directness. First off, per the SEC, if that investment had come from ownership, we would have by law had to disclose it. So to answer your question, no, it did not come from ownership. Rather, the investment came from a wealthy accredited investor, parentheses that I know, who believed enough in the project, the target market, the business model, and the talent involved like Ray Mysterio and Conan, our team, what we've accomplished so far to invest a large sum of money to you and I, perhaps, but to him, maybe not so much. So it's a him. We know it's a guy. Uh, into our project and to purchase the exact same stock as our other investors through this platform, which, as I had pointed out, you know, this is a if you want to make such a large investment, I was very surprised you would choose to invest through the crowdsourcing um, just because this is this would basically make this guy uh, and we know it's a guy um, possibly the number four largest investor in the company. I think he, he even might have more than even the uh, chief financial officer or the chief marketing officer. The husband and wife have invested. I would have checked that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so uh, props to Jimmy Van for following up on that. And uh, I, I wonder if Jimmy maybe had been listening to the podcast here, hearing us talking about it, or at least seen, seen some of my tweets on it. Yeah, well, and there uh, are actually, thousands of listeners out there. There are there are possibly thousands of listeners out there, possibly more, possibly less. You know, I'm not one to say. I'm not one to look at numbers and uh, analyze them. I'm one to go with gut feelings, just mm-hmm. like just the way. 
that uh, George Berrios does. So right now we are standing at 109 investors. That's $79,896. I know everyone thought we were going to talk WrestleMania here today, but here, instead – I've got you going on Air, Air Lucha. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to figure out here really quickly how much uh, the average investor has gone. Uh, the average investor is still at $277 a piece outside of the $150,000 investor. So uh, we're still seeing people very much in that that low $240 range, um, which is kind of one of the cut-ins for the for the uh, uh, perks there. But, uh, you know, props to them getting $80,000. That's got to put them above, you know, most most firms in the United States that are doing professional wrestling right now outside of the big, you know, four. Uh, so that's pretty good for them. So I'm, I'm excited that they've figured that out and they're continuing to grow. And hey, I will dig more into their Q&A a little bit later. Um, I also mentioned on uh, one of our, our shows where I talked a little bit about, you know, the, the ruling that had been done in the concussion lawsuit. And I did see that Kairos had posted two things on his blog on WWEconcussionLawsuitNews.com. And uh, on the 29th, he admitted, yes, WWE won a dismissal of the case. And on April 5th, so at the beginning of this week, he just posted, Laurinaitis 60 wrestlers v. WWE lawsuit continues. The WWE cases continue, dot, dot, dot. And then he posted a link to the original, um, actually to the second amended complaint that he had filed back in November of 2017. So the so, CC lawsuit is not finished. It's not because the other part of the lawsuit needs to be settled. So pretty much the the um, this is the road warrior animal and Snuka's family and Orndorff and everyone on down. We we actually went through and read pretty much all the names a couple <laughs> a couple uh, shows ago. I don't remember whether it was on a Patreon edition or whether that was on the main show. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that Cairo spoke spoke out about it. You know, he's been kind of um had his hand slapped once or twice for perhaps um editorializing about this case on his blog Mm -hmm. so i i sense that he is trying to be a little bit more restrained with what he writes but i think he wanted to kind of re-emphasize to people that the case is not technically closed yet though um at least through the statutes that have been established i will be surprised if they live because none of these not not live bad choice of words they'd be surprised if this case survives because all the statute of limitations for all these people making these claims Claims would seem to be well outside of what um, the judge has accepted in this case for when the the notifications would start, which I think was 2008. So, anyways, um, WrestleMania though. <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to New Orleans. I just got back. You can tell I'm a little scattered right now. I ran into you while I was down there. That was yes. the the first documented uh, uh, space cohabitation mm-hmm. by Brandon Howard Thurston the twelfth and uh, Mukigana. Prove it. Yeah, you and I went out on my uh, my balcony of my wonderful hotel at the Royal St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent the entire weekend just walking places. On Saturday, I think I walked 29,000 um, steps, wow. according to my wife's uh, Fitbit, which is not an impressive amount of, of walking. A lot of people walk plenty. But um, for me, that was an impressive amount of walking. So that was just a – it was fun. It's a very walkable city. It was a very nice city. Um Brandon and I went down to the WrestleCon Super Show on Thursday night and uh, somehow managed in a city completely jam-packed with Bullet Club shirts and uh, other other wrestling paraphernalia to choose all of the streets that were completely vacant and empty and dark and scary yeah. uh, between <laughs> my hotel. We walked the- all the way from practically Bourbon Street to, to the Sugar Mill. 
<laughs> there was no and, one and we figured, anywhere. We figured we, we would be surrounded by flocks of wrestling fans and Bullet Club shirts and various other uh, wrestling merchandise. It but was we, we were like, is, is nobody going to go to this show? Like, we know they we, sold a lot of tickets. But... I swear we passed Wally Mania on the way, and did, yeah. it's like no one. And we didn't show up at a ridiculously early time or late time. We showed up exactly at the right time because the crowd was already already lining up, queuing up to get in. And they were kicking out the people from the from the last show because mm-hmm. they had to get in line again. Mm-hmm. And so we showed up and it was fine. And but it was just baffling that no one was there. And then when the show was over, we walked back and no one was there. So uh, and I used my Google Maps. It wasn't like I, I you know, made this route up because I would have assumed, you know, everyone would be getting the same thing. So maybe it was a ways town. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot but, of repeat people because WrestleCon Super Show I think was the highest attended WrestleCon show at that yeah, but there had to be other people like me who were just showing up for that show who yeah, were well, just was, flying in in time yeah well maybe they took Ubers or whatever I don't know you know uh, I forgot to tell you this but we found a vegan restaurant right in the heart of the French Quarter oh my goodness yeah they they served vegan po'boys and oh, wow. uh yeah, yeah. You can just imagine some of the things. We have a vegan butcher here in town, you know. Did I ever tell you that? What? What, what is a vegan yeah. butcher? What, well, you should come. It's called like butch? the uh, the the, Herva, the Herbador butcher or whatever. Does he just cut up tempeh and tofu? No, they, they're really big. Like they've been on all the special food shows and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, wow. You have to come check it out. Maybe after uh, All In, you can uh, take, a, take a, a, a secondary trip up here and work at Eric Cannon's Fed for a day or something. There you go. You'll have to put in a good word for me and get me booked. Yeah. Well, we're hoping, you know, the next big uh, Mookie Brandon, the Mookie Thurston meetup might be uh, maybe during the All In weekend. Uh, I'm hoping yeah. maybe we can weasel our way into be part of the StarCast kind of network of podcasts and, and other travel arrangements that are going on. Mm-hmm. I know um, I met one of the people involved with the StarCast travel arrangements this uh, past week here, and they did a wonderful job helping me out while I was in New Orleans, so I was very excited about that. I did go, go to the Observer Q&A on um, a Friday morning, so that and was a lot of Dave fun. you met Dave Meltzer himself? I did meet Dave Meltzer, and uh, did, I, did I tell you how Dave reacted when I told him who I was? No, what did he do? Dave gave me a big hug. He was so excited. Wow. It was, it was, it was, I, I was actually sad that the person taking my photo did not capture that moment oh. because so Dave's giving me this great big smile and in, oh. in his Dave pants and, and uh, t-shirt tucked in and giant yeah. biceps. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, Dave was in a, Dave was in rare form and uh it was a lot of fun. It was actually a lot of fun meeting everybody. My only suggestion is going to always be name tags because I suffer from pseudo face blindness mm. where I just cannot remember. And so I feel terrible. People come up to me and they're like I met you here and I'm just like I don't remember that. Yeah. And it's not a slight on them. It's because I'm so bad with faces and my memory gets so foggy over time. Maybe maybe I've had too many concussive blows in my life. And it's not from drinking, not from drugs, not from anything else except for just pure mookiness. We should um, we should all have like those sticker name tags. Just have our Twitter handles on them. It would. That's honestly what I do when I meet people. I'm like, "Who are you?" And they tell me. I was like, "What's your name on the board?" I was like, oh, "Okay, all right, yeah, I, I kind of know." But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of fans and uh, a lot of people, and you know, a lot of great Europeans there. I always I would love to know what percentage of WrestleMania attendees are from Europe. I gotta. We must know, right? Yeah, I gotta believe it's over ten percent. 
Hmm. If if not, maybe even 20, because it's like you cannot go anywhere in the arena without running into a European fan. Yeah, you hear a lot um, of accents around, yeah. Tons of that. The people walking there with me, um, French speaking right behind me, followed by a bunch of guys with Swiss flags, followed by a bunch of guys um, with, you know, Irish accents. And it's just it's amazing uh, when you go and you see everything and you, you meet all these people. They're very um, they're very excited to be there. And, and I think Tuesday is going to be insane for SmackDown. How many Europeans are going to be there? Because all the Americans have tapped out by Tuesday. Is it, that's a lot of time to take off work from Thursday all the way till you know Wednesday essentially because you got to stay for Tuesday night show. Mm-hmm. So I came back today and had to, had to tap out. But you and I our our, our time began on Thursday. Yes. We went to the the WrestleCon. It was called the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show. Excalibur from PWG came out ahead of time to explain to us that Mark Hitchcock was a guy that worked for High Spots. And he loved wrestling, and it sounded like he passed away. And so they were renaming the show as a memorial to him. Mm-hmm. And that's all I know about it. I don't know anything about Mark, Mark Hitchcock. So I should find that out at some point here and just find out what it, you know what he did and what happened and whatnot. But I'm, I'm excited. You know, you, I see Cassius Ono putting him over on um, – on Twitter, and I see that uh, High Spots made a, a a post on February 28th talking about it, saying that uh, he had he had passed away unexpectedly, and so that's really unfortunate. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that they, you know, he was a really talented graphic artist. I'm glad they found a way to, you know, honor him. And I'm it, these are the sort of things where his name is going to live on, and and a lot of people are going to, you know, want to find out more about him and appreciate what he did. And I, I, that's I great. Excalibur mentioned that. He- like one of the, one of the last graphic design works that he had done, where it was the the graphics that they used for the WrestleCon Super Show itself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, this is just really, yeah. I don't know much about um. Yeah, they just say he was passed away very unexpectedly, is what I keep seeing everywhere here. So that's really unfortunate. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Um, we went to the show. It was a nice show because it was compact. Um, yeah, we in sat, total, up, sat in the bleachers and yeah. general admission, and uh, attendance was very good. I, I did the, uh, the, uh, the the row and aisle math, and I I got something like I don't know, I forget what I tweeted, but like something like thirteen hundred, maybe even fourteen hundred people there. You know, Cage Match has it at circa twelve hundred. So okay. you know, either they're taking your numbers or other people are still agreeing it. Well, I, with I, it, I figured. We knew, I think it was 428 on the floor was sold and sold out in advance. And then I did the math on the bleachers. And then I looked around and I was like, there's a lot of people standing around here. And I figured there's got to be like one or 200 people just standing around. And then, you know, I remember Bick said something uh, on Twitter about, you know, that the, the venue was good about trying to find places for everybody. Excuse me, everybody to sit mm-hmm. to for the show so that there wasn't, you know, just people – you know, there was chairs for everybody and that even though it was sold out, they were very clear on that in the line that it was completely sold out and that that if you were coming to buy tickets, that was not going to be an option. Um, there's only about 99 minutes of of actual wrestling time when I add up the, the timing so, that was shown here. But I it was it was tight and compact. And that's what I appreciated so much was that it wasn't a show with an intermission in the middle because it was already starting at like 930 or 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it was a 930 start time. So you could not buy tickets for WrestleCon Super Show on the day of. It was sold out. I know the that floor was, my, was sold out. Yeah, yeah. My understanding was the whole show was sold out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So so um, we'll, we'll just kind of quickly run through, you know, um, 
the matches just talk about it really quickly just to say what we enjoyed or didn't and, enjoy and let me let me just mention off the top of you over like what were the attendances because i've had a, f- a few people ask me like so what was the biggest indie show and i think wrestlecon super show i think was the biggest one at the sugar mill which is where all the wrestlecon events were and then joey Janela's spring break which we're probably going to talk about later uh that was the biggest attendance i believe over at the wn venue and uh, Progress Day 1 was close to, to Janela's Spring Break. And then, of course, Ring of Honor did like 5,800. They sold out, uh, I, th- I think, it's the Pontchartrain Center, whatever venue they, they were running. And so those are the biggest attendances uh, from shows that were not run by WWE. But, yeah. And it's important. It's important to kind of emphasize the the dynamics of where things were. So there was the right. front, you know, like kind of the, the French Quarter, the, the touristy area where all the hotels are. Then you could walk to the 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 sugar mill from there. It took maybe fifteen. It was less than a mile, I think, for us to walk there. Yeah, it took maybe fifteen minutes or so for us to get there. So that was great. You could go straight there, and it it was um, available. I'm just looking here on the the uh, high spots website to see if there are this show is already streaming. Yes, it is. It is it is streaming already, and you can buy it for ten bucks or watch it with your ten bucks subscription or rent it for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um and then you had the other shows that was uh you know on, on the other way side of town. Out. The Pontchartrain Center the Pontchartrain was Center. was way too far to walk. Just it was still it was like a twenty twenty plus minute car ride, I believe. And so I did hear a lot of stories of people getting hosed on Uber surge pricing. Um, I know Captain Caveman uh, posted something about a $100 Uber ride he ended up with um, because to go to Joey Janela. And yeah, uh, I, I, I met think a, that was a big I, problem because Joey Janela's Spring Break show ended at 3.30 a.m. So you had like over a 1,000 people pouring out of the Pontchartrain Center at 4 o'clock in the morning and trying to get Uber rides. And the demand was very high and the supply was very low. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know and, what, what people did. I look, Luckily enough, I rented a car, so I was all right. Yeah, and and like uh, I talked to uh, a, a great guy from uh, who's living in Hong Kong, Robin. He told me about how he got hosed with like a seventy dollar ride for one of the shows too. Wow. Um, and I, he'd gone to CCW, but I think CCW was at Sugar Mill, so I think it must have been one of the other shows that uh, he was talking about going to. But yeah, so you know that was interesting that you know Joey Janela, for instance, was able to draw so many people, and it was in such a terrible location by. Not necessarily that the venue you you saw both venues you can probably speak to you know what which venue was nicer, um, but just the fact that it was not walking distance and so it's still kind of amazing to me this whole uh, wrestling ecosystem you know there in my hotel uh, some of the like the Observer Q and A was held but another event was Bruce Pritchard something to wrestle with a podcast mm-hmm. they did a, a, a like, show on the W Network by the way but yeah. Yeah, they they did like a something to waffle with, so it's gonna be like a morning breakfast one. They had one hundred dollar VIP tickets for that show. They sold out. Mm-hmm. They had seventy five dollar tickets was the only thing left, and so it's just like there's an enormous wrestling economy is kind of what this yeah. reminded me of, and it's funny how we kind of abuse the people that we want to get this money from. Sometimes, is I feel like there's still more that could be done to uh, make this more copacetic. For this, you know, the fact that NXT and ROH run against each other, it just seems silly. And that was even one of the questions that Dave kind of addressed is that, you know, we are in a place where it sometimes feels like we're forcing people to choose and we shouldn't have to. What's the solution to that? Just I think scheduling, I think transportation, too. Um, And, you know, 
just finding finding a better ways for people to work together to run lots of shows. I find yeah. um, this is a, a you know like like we say like like who which which commission states are getting involved and which people are doing the are being the promoters of license and and whatnot. Yeah, I, I wonder too if we're going to see things started on Thursday. I know WN even had a seminar on Wednesday, but I wonder it, as we go forward. And I think it's the trajectory that we're on is that if this week is going to become longer and longer. Over time, it's probably not what some people want to hear. <laughs> but uh, if maybe events, maybe not next year, but maybe in years to come, are going to start on Wednesday and then maybe on Tuesday. You know, it's it's tough. And then you, you do have those Lanza, Lanzaites out there who mm-hmm. literally fly in for the indie shows and leave. You know, they, they he drove in. He drove he drove eight hours. He said, they're they're the guys that ordered the blizzard just for the pieces of Heath Bar in it. You know, they they uh, they they enjoy all elements of professional wrestling, but they are real selective. And uh, I will tell you, people were asking me, you know, what do you think about WrestleMania being so long and will it change? And my my short answer is I don't think it's going to change. I don't think that's going to – I think the only thing that's going to drive them to change is going to be the venue itself. Is that um, – yeah. Why, why would the venue want – like the venue would want a shorter show? Yes. Because exactly what happened this year. The Superdome was running out of ice. It was running out really? of food. It was wow. running out of toilet paper. It was really? running like, – the crowds were so immense and, wow. and pushing that I was behind cops that were like, yeah, this is a fire hazard. We should shut this down. And like they were just kind of bitching to each other. Being, They didn't really seem like they, you know, it wasn't in a sense of them being like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. It was just them being so annoyed with everything that was happening. And it, it was intense at times where it's just like you couldn't get food or drink or they do show up and then they would be out of everything. And it's like people were like, well, why'd that happen? And part of it seems like it might be that this is twice the length of what a football game is. And so, you know, they're not thinking, oh, we should bring, we need twice as much food. And then at the same time, there's a rush at a certain time. And then that's the time that you have to have everything available. It's not like people are buying food equidistantly throughout the night. It's like there is a dinner hour and that's going to be the worst hour of all. And so it was just it was just craziness like that um, throughout the time. And so I could see in a situation where the the vendor itself is just like, you know how expensive it is for us to be around and have, you know, this year they were at least learned from last time and they opened the doors much, much earlier mm-hmm. to. Um, right. That was a problem in Dallas. And and I heard at the first New Orleans that they didn't open the doors in time, hmm. and you know people were. Is that were, wrong in uh, San Jose, S- Santa Cruz? No, no, I didn't find it because we they started outside and we had plenty of time Santa to get Clara. in. Yeah, Santa Clara. It was no, it was not a problem there at Levi Stadium. Okay. But um, I, I but again, it was much more. It's an outdoor stadium, and I think that also plays a role because you, you're not stuck so much in these hallways, you know, where you're you're feeling like you're going to get crushed to death. Yeah. Uh, and that was a lot more happening with yeah. this at the dome. And, you know, I didn't find it too bad for the get in and get out. And it, they even like, you know, had a cover band playing and, and doing other stuff to kind of try to entertain the crowd. Um, but I do think that you are running a risk of just trying to be like, this is now 10 hours that this venue has to be open and running things. And, you know, for staffing, for for parking, for security, for how late it's going to end and, and just making, you know, I got the survey today from Superdome asking us a lot of questions about, like, how safe did you feel? And I was like, <laughs> well, I, well, I felt not I, – I felt plenty safe because it's, you know, 70,000 fans streaming out at once. 
But it's tough to feel safe when the cars are parked behind you and then they're trying to run you over in the middle of the crowd. That was no fun. So, I mean, it's stuff like that. That's just that. But in some ways, you know, when investors or not investors in people in the investment community who are on the conference call today, when they one of them started off his question by saying, well, I've been reading a lot of reviews of the show. And all I thought is, "Ooh, what's this going to be? And then what did he follow it up with? And I heard that the women's matches were incredible. And I was like, oh, okay. So it wasn't something about like not enough time for the women too. Yeah. And and they didn't get enough time. And I was just like, hmm, I would have said, you know, the Alexa Bliss match, I think actually was too long. I think it should have been a quick squash. And then B, I would say of all the reviews you could be reading about that show, that would not be my biggest takeaway. Uh, I think maybe he's reading the ESPN reviews. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, oh, this is not addressing, you know, the what are you doing about running seven hours? Aren't you burning these people out because the crowd was exhausted? What are you doing about, you know, uh, the you, you want to talk about UFC, but you're not talking about Brock Lesnar, who is, you know, you're in your main event last night and all this other stuff. So it was just it it, it can get weird. And I'm way off topic now. Well, we were going to talk about Russell. Well, Khan, but yeah. well just real quick, like I, I think this is a common theme uh, throughout a lot of the shows on the weekend is just, I think somebody else said it on Twitter is that, you know, one of the lessons that should be taken away from this is like, we got to do something about these shows going long. Um, yeah. More is not better. More is not always better. And that's something improv taught me very much is that crowds like no, no one ever comes to me and they're like, Oh, your 90 minute improv show. I really wish it was two hours long. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten that feedback. And that's because I do a short form show and the reality is 90 minutes is enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's enough for people. And even in long form, most of the time people say that's enough or that's too much. Um, because – And I feel especially with these indie shows, they, the cards don't need to be long. I think you can have six or seven matches and have enough enough star power to, to draw the crowd in so that you don't need it to be super long and you can keep the matches shorter and you can still attract a, enough of a crowd so that you make good money and everything. But that agree. There was there, like two to two and a half hours. There was nine people. There's nine matches on the show. We're going to talk here. Yeah. Russell. Collins and I'm show. positive you could do eight. And when I say nine matches, one of them was really a segment, mm-hmm. but uh, I I'm positive you could have got away with eight without any issues at all. And, and I wasn't um, at any evolve shows this year, this weekend but i think that's one thing that evolve has been pretty good about is like they'll do a six match show and you know the other part just being people saying you know how well joy janela's event drew compared to something like evolve where you could make the argument that people are more hungry for more variety of spectacle Mm-hmm. rather than just more wrestling like it's not about okay i want to see more of the super matches yeah. it might be i want to see more creative visions of what wrestling can be yeah. and so things like from blood sport all the mm-hmm. way through uh through joy janela or keju big battle which was actually scheduled to start after wrestlemania last night um which i believe lingerie mudo showed up at uh, according <laughs> to a lot of the tweets that i saw yeah i, um, I think this is something we've said before i i feel that we're pretty much at a point where match quality has been saturated there is more than enough great matches out there there's there's in fact too many great matches out there for most of us to keep up with but what there's not enough of is great stories or different flavors of wrestling and i think yeah. that's exactly why Joey Janela's spring break has been as successful as it, as it is i think that's why Bloodsport was able to draw three or four hundred people because it was a different vision of wrestling 
Yeah, and it was, you know, it was an interesting discussion of with people who went to that show afterwards. And we said, you know, we ran into some of that WrestleCon and uh, a big shout out to uh, just the people that, you know, we got to talk with. Um, I want to make sure I get the name right. Uh, Spears, right? Wasn't it? Uh, crap. <laughs> you tweeted it recently. I did. I did. I'm, I'm searching in my, my, my mentions here. But, of course, I, I'm very good at, at getting lots of cool people. Uh, almost forgot. Maybe. Yeah. That's a good, good one to search. Uh, at HP Joker. Yes, HP Joker. Thank you. Uh, and I'm, I'm that sure was, he told us his real name. I apologize. I forget. I'll stop my head. I know. This is, is I feel very late tonight. And uh, that was really fun to um, to to talk with him. And, and, you know, we asked how was Bloodsport. And, you know, it was something I was kind of excited about. And he, he just described it as Grapple F. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that it was just people, you know, kind of doing this style. And it's an interesting style to some, but it, it might not have mainstream appeal. But I love the fact that someone went out to do it. And I think in some ways uh, the constraint was actually the time more than the actual style. Like I would have made a shot to go to the show if it was at a better time for me to attend. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really cool that, you know, we're seeing a little bit of that and we're seeing the seeds of that. And that's why I hope we can see a little bit more of that kind of, I'm not saying I want to see more silliness in wrestling. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want to see more variety. And I do feel like the only other issue is that we do start to see the same talent seeping through so many of these shows yeah. that is really hard sometimes to be like, which Brian Cage tag or six man did you see right and it's like well it's going to be hard for me to differentiate x from y um over time and so that that does diminish things a little bit and so wrestlecon was interesting because of course we had a a mystery guest that we knew was going to be there um and yeah, then a lot had, of this card was not a, announced in advance there were some names announced obviously kenny omega and koto Bushi were advertised um but there were some big surprises yeah, yeah. So it opened up with Penta L Zero M versus Joy Janela. Um, mm-hmm. with I guess Penelope Ford is the woman that was with her him. And uh, I had no idea anything about her. And it was just funny because at the Q and A he showed up, she showed up, I should say, mm-hmm. to um uh promote the uh Joy Janela spring break. And so she stood in the corner with her glasses and glared at the crowd. And so I thought, wow, he's really got this gimmick going with her. So that's pretty cool. That uh, they they did it, and Joey Janela was very um, captivating and interesting yeah. and humble. Actually, I, I got to yeah. say, he was really nice to the crowd. Like the woman who was running the the auction, who I don't even know who she was. I, she could have been part of Rise because there's a whole bunch of Rise stuff that was going to happen afterwards. Could have been one of Ed and San Antonio's friends. Could have been somebody else that's associated with the board. I just didn't know. She she said his name wrong, like Joey Janelli or something. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, it's me, Joey Janelli. I'm here to tell you about Joey Janelli spring break. <laughs> and like, just like took it all in stride and just like implored us all to come and then left. And like, it was very nice that he bothered to show up at that hotel at that time just to basically plug his show and leave, which was already sell selling quite well. And so I thought that was very nice of him to, you know, kind of make that extra time to do that. I, th- I think like Joey Janelli is one, one of the, big takeaways I got from this weekend is just to marvel at like, why, why is he so over? What, what is, what is he doing? That's different from what everybody else is doing. Cause he's not the kind of guy you look at and be like, Oh yeah, W's gotta be thinking about him. You know, not necessarily great physique, good, good in the ring, but he's not a blow away worker or anything, but he's got a presence to him. And I, like, I haven't heard maybe enough of his promos, but it, it, 
I, is he a great promo and I just don't know it? I, you know, I know he's very good at the viral marketing in the sense that, you know, he started to do like really cool 8-bit graphics for his show and stuff like that. That was really smart. Um, but no, I, I think you should you should question somebody like maybe Alanza or something who who probably has much more deep-rooted feel for what it is that is special about this. Or, or Bix, you know, I know feels really strongly so, about him. Yeah, but so my, my point is like I think that this is an example of somebody if if you're a wrestler that's trying to get over and trying to get traction on the indies i think there's there's something to be studied in somebody like joey janelle about like why why is he so over and and these the shows that he's put on these last two years too uh, i i guess we kind of just touched on it but it's it's really hitting a demographic of wrestling fan that goes to these weekend shows that you know wants to get hit in a different way than the rest of the shows are you know, are, are going to offer them so and and it's not just about booking yourself against a name you know i i would make a strong argument that was it matt Tremaine, tremont or whatever who booked himself against onita and and did that neat but at the same time i don't feel like he's blowing up as a result of his his efforts to do that mm-hmm. uh and so you know there is that element where it, it's tough sometimes to just kind of hold yourself to um well, you know, I, I would I'm gonna I'm gonna promote a big more. match and I'm gonna push myself and that's yeah. not always enough. Yeah, well, I think Janelle is a, a, a much more uh, dynamic performer than Matt Tremont is. Yeah, yeah, but I just but, mean like the, yeah. the, there's something to be said about you know I I think I appreciate someone like Matt Tremont going the extra mile to get CZW to get Anita Onita in like that that is meaningful and interesting that he did that, but at the same time it doesn't always translate to raising your profile in the same way and, that and, and by the way that that onita show it, it i believe it turned into a tag match and then at it the end, it's like an onita saying let's wrestle a singles match in japan like and they did wrestle in japan they to be clear they did wrestle in japan in october um and and he was part of a, a big tag match there yeah. uh but anyhow but anyway, this, this is our 15 minute introduction to just talk about the rescon super show <laughs> More than 15 minutes, I think, at this point. But yeah, so uh, that match, uh, I felt like it was in slow motion. I was not impressed with with Joey or Penta. um, And I know both of them, I think, could do better. Uh, And I I don't know whether it was just opening match, whatever. It was simple. It was fine. It was was good for what it was doing. But um, as I'll say at the end here, I think they could have used Penta much more effectively in a different slot in the show. Yeah. and so the second match was really Joey Ryan coming out, doing a whole Andy Kaufman gimmick. Uh, Jerry Lawler shows up, which, of course, the crowd pops huge for because none of us expected Lawler he- at the show. Uh, and then, you know, Joey Ryan <laughs> ordering Lawler to touch his dick. Uh, Lawler kicking him in the balls. Joey not selling. At this point, the crowd, I believe, breaks out in the so big, so soft chant, as I recall. Um, and then Jerry Lawler shooting a fireball under his crown right there at, at Joey Ryan. And that was pretty fantastic. Right uh, on target I was, too. There's a, I was very evidence. impressed. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was a tremendous use of just kind of everything that you can do in that segment. And, uh, by far for me, the best Joey Ryan segment I've ever seen. And to show you how savvy I am, after Joey, or after Joey Ryan was finished with his promo, I turned to you and said, he's wearing the Annie Kaufman gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then you explained to me that he had just done a word-for-word Andy Kaufman promo. I think so. Yeah, because he did the the. I'd like to introduce soap to all of you. And 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure that's from an Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had a 10-person a, a tag team match. It's mislabeled here on WrestleCon as a 10-man tag team match uh, with Madison Eagles, Nicole Savoy, Shaza McKenzie, uh, Tennille Dashwood, a.k.a. Emma, and Tessa Blanchard versus Caleb Conley, Jacob Jake Manning, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, better known as MJF, uh, Trevor Lee, and Zane Riley. Um, this, I know there was a mistake on one of the versions of of the results for the show. I think on the Figure Four site where they referred to Madison Eagles uh, instead of they they forgot to refer to Madison Eagles and instead referred to uh, somebody else. Ford. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm looking at here. Yeah, we, there yeah. Was, no, I'm looking at a different website. That, yes, and, 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 and Penelope Ford was definitely not in that match. Because Madison Eagles was pasted around. <laughs> yeah, Madison Eagle. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't really seen much of her. She's pretty cool. She's tall. Yeah. She's very tall. You know, over six feet probably. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, uh, got awesome cape. I'm a big cape fan, so I'm always going to be into anybody who has a cool cape. And uh, she's from Australia. And uh, I would not be surprised in the slightest if she gets recruited for wwe uh and now reading kind of uh, other comments here a lot of other people have kind of made the same comment i think one of the cool things about this show is there was each match was different there was a lot of variety and yes you know this was you know this was a, a fun modern indie 10 person tag match where they did uh for example they did like it was the, very pwg i felt like oh yeah with, they did a nine person submission spot exactly. at one point yeah. uh they you know they 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 knew that they had to put the women over the men uh so all of the match was basically you know various versions of that um i saw some very questionably authorized use of wwe footage in emma's entrance video yes uh <laughs> and um but it was fun. It was, uh, you know, like I, I think at my review on Twitter said something like some of the slot, some of the spots look good and some of them not so much. And it, that was really the case. Like Tessa Blanchard's offense looked tremendous. I thought she did wonderful. And then there was one of the other women in the match. Her offense didn't look so great. And I, it was just one of those cases where sometimes it would be back to back. And it's just like those comparisons you never want where one person, it, it looks like a great shot. And the next person, it looks like it's half the strength and half the impact. And uh, but, uh, I, you know, it was a really fun match. The crowd was into it. It ended with a great, you know, I think all five women had five different submissions on the guys at the end. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, singles match with Ishii versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, 15 minutes. This was actually the longest match on the whole show. Um, a lot of people were excited about this one. This one had been announced ahead of time. Um, this was my first time seeing Jeff Cobb live. He is a brute when it comes to strength uh, in a way that you might not, you know, originally think when you see him, because he's, he's definitely got that wrestler body uh, of like an actual amateur wrestler. He represented, I was it, we decided Guam at the Olympics. Um, yes. We looked it up and, and, uh, but you know, he's got that strength so that he can do those kind of cool delayed suplexes, kind of like, kind of like what Dalton castle sometimes does with guys, but like obviously being way, way bigger than Dalton is. Yeah. Uh, and then Ishii is Ishii. You know, he's exciting to um, watch if you like Ishii's style. And this is was going to be a match with lots of headbutts, with lots of chops, with lots of uh, suplexing. And then, you know, Ishii running up and kind of yelling in his face. Yeah, there's a, a long list of things that I wrote down that I learned or tried to hash out about, like, what gets over in wrestling. And I probably don't need to get into all of them here, but uh, maybe I'll end up writing something about this. But I, I just listed them on the, the dry erase board at the school tonight. Um, 
and one of those things, like, so the question is, like, well, what what gets people over, particularly on the Indies, uh, into Haas matches in 2018? Well, Haas matches, but it, but it's what happens in the Haas matches, or what happens in any matches. And then one thing that Jeff Cobb does really well, that he's very gifted with, is that he has incredible strength, and he's able to do things that you, you watch, and and you and the way that he deadlifts people, for example, or he does that that pump handle suplex, you know, fall away, where he tosses you over over his head, which he did in this match. Tishi, um, the way that he picks people up, you know that that's real strength. You know, there's nowhere to post, there's nowhere to squat and go on it. He's when you watch him do some of his stuff, you know it's just real strength, and that impresses people. Agree, agree. And uh, just at this moment, can we do a quick audio check? Are you able to make sure we're still being recorded right now? Sure, you want me to stop it and. Restart? No, no, no. I just was curious if you can. We're ticking away. Give me. Oh, we're you ticking want, away. You want the time? No, no. Minutes. I just wanted. Okay, <laughs> that is perfect. All right, we'll finish the show by Wednesday. That's all that matters. Um, no, that I agree. Um, it, it, he that raw strength display that is clear to an audience that what they're doing is difficult to do. Mm-hmm. That was exciting to watch, and and it was fun, and you know. Um, in the end, Ishii won. Um, no surprise there, really, to me. One's a big, you know, very established New Japan guy, and the other's Jeff Cobb, who they kind of seem like they passed on after his run in the tag tournament with um, uh, Elgin as his partner. Yeah, one person who did not come to uh, WrestleMania weekend, who I do not think would have been able to. You know, I I, I could see the group that would would book him for the weekend. You know, one of the one of the groups would would think about it and and think, oh, I'm going to get a ton of heat. And we saw that in the Sami Zayn thing later on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think in 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 smartness, uh, he's he's kind of said he doesn't want to be uh, involved in any uh, wrestling in the U.S. for a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we had what I thought was the the match of the night, and uh, everyone I've talked to seems to agree this was the best match of the night. Ray Phoenix and Ray Horace versus Bandito and Flamita. Yeah, I, I thought it was fun. We had a very Japanese-style match with Ishii and Cobb, followed by a very Lucha-style match. Yes. And and it was fantastic. I mean, a lot of people would have expected that, uh, you know, Pentagon Jr. and him would be tagging together, but instead it was, it was Ray Phoenix and Ray Horace, um, and they uh they just absolutely tore it up against Bendito and Flamita and I had never seen um you know some of the moves that they did there. There's this one great exchange where you know he's on the ropes, they kick the ropes, he crotches himself, he jumps back on the second rope, bat, jumps on the top rope, does a full flip, and then does the the arm drag, and it was just fantastic. So um, this was really intense and uh, it was really really cool. And afterwards, the crowd did throw money in the ring, they did. which. Uh, which I thought was a classy, you know, they, they, I love the fact that they knew that that was a thing mm-hmm. and then they actually went ahead and did it and the guy showed their appreciation for it. So, you know, I, I can't imagine it was a large sum of money compared to how much they, I hopefully they made <laughs> for the night, you know, like even if people are throwing it, you know, probably there's probably 30, 40 bills in there. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it was enough to, to, to maybe, supplement Maybe it. somebody was throwing a five or a ten. Who knows? Yeah, but I just mean like it was drinking money probably more than anything. Yeah. But it was cool that they, they did that, and I thought it was fun, and it was the best match of the night for sure. Um, and then the next match was kind of the one that I felt like I get what you're trying to do here, but I feel like this is one too many. Um, 
and it was uh, Chico El Luchador, who uh, we I'm pretty sure is Rocky Romero under a mask. I know I sound silly not to know, but uh, um, that's that's who immediately made made it seem like to me a psychosis and super crazy. And then it said with Hoovy, but was Hoovy there? I don't remember seeing Hoovy there. It's dawning on me now. Like we, we were looking at the card, and, and it, so the card where you buy tickets, it's got a. It's got some picture square graphics of yeah of, of wrestlers of, who are going to be on the show, and one of them I swear is got to be Juventud Guerrera, and I'm like, we were I was showing it to you, no no, Juventud's going to be here, he's advertised, but no, I don't, I don't know, Psychosis was, was there though. So. It says it's with Juventud. I I just don't remember actually seeing Juventud at any point. Um, the results and then uh, it says Mexico Super Crazy Psychosis and Chico Luchador. Yeah, but the one I'm looking at on Cage Match also in parentheses says with Juventud. And I'm like, huh, I didn't see him. Yeah. Um, uh, the defeat, Jason Cade, Matt Classic, and Teddy Hart. And Matt Classic, of course, being Colt Cabana under a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, first realization, Colt Cabana is enormous. Um, he is so much bigger than all these other guys. Um, with the exception of maybe Super Crazy, who is 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 becoming quite rotund. But um, Matt Still Classic is much a little taller. But yeah, it was just one of those where you just kind of realize like how the downsizing of what happens on the indies as as kind of there's more and more guys of different body types and how we're seeing a lot more of the high flying guys. And that includes kind of the smaller guys in some cases. Um, then you had Teddy Hart. Of course, Teddy Hart's been out of the picture for a while here. Uh, Teddy Hart, really, who, who, did, who you did not notice walking past you as we walked into yeah. the venue while he was wearing a fur coat and carrying a cat. <laughs> fur coat carrying a cat. Uh, I just saw that they were serving Yingling, and I went right to that the, the beer tent, and that was all I cared about at that point. But I, I see he's been after you got the beer, though. You got the beer, and then we walked through like the doorway, oh, and that's okay. when we walked past him, or he walked. We walked past each other. Got it. Nope, did not notice for a second. Uh, paid no attention. Uh, so so Teddy was there uh, in his kind of pleather outfit, and uh, this match was not great. Uh, was not terrible, but I mean, had had you know Matt Classic doing Matt Classic gear, so he doesn't do a you know doesn't do a dive. He instead kind of climbs down and then does a tiny dive, and that would have been a great spot. But then later we saw somebody else do kind of the same trick, and I thought, oh, you you stole their pop earlier, and and of course they didn't talk to each other, they didn't know that was going to happen. Um, but it was just one of those where I was like, oh, it wasn't as effective as it could have been. Uh, it was amazing to see Super Crazy doing his three moonsaults because somehow he manages to do them in slow motion. Uh, and he, his knees must just kill him uh, at this point to see him doing that. I mean, Super Crazy is 44. He's only 44, which is kind of shocking when you think about how long he's been wrestling. Um, and Psychosis is actually 46. Psychosis wow. is older than him. Yeah, that's something I didn't even realize. That's just something um, I thought about like 10, 15 years ago. Because you, would, you know, ten, fifteen years ago, you'd have the older, former big star names who would go on the indies, like I don't know, like the Honky Tonk Man or Bruce Beefcake, and they would go out and they they could basically still do everything that they used to do, right? Because they didn't they didn't do flips and crazy stuff. But now now we're at, and I, I remember like wondering, like, what's it going to be later when the guys who are stars now, now being ten years ago, are you know are in their forties and they're working indie shows and like, they're not going to be able to do the stuff that they used to do. But here, here we've got super crazy in 2018, still doing the triple moon salt 30 year vet. No less started in 88. Just imagine how much the, the business has changed since he started in 88 till now. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Um, so it was, it was a 10 minute match, but this was definitely one that I felt like, Oh, this, for the lateness of, of the time and everything. 
and and just going back to back with that incredible lucha match, and then kind of show seeing, ended at one thirty a.m. Yeah, we, it was we like were we exhausted. We, we yeah, we did not need the Mexicals on this show. Is is I think probably the easiest way of putting this. Um, and I can't remember whether it was this match or the next match. It probably was actually the next match, which was a uh, Will Asprey versus uh, Adam Brooks versus Sammy uh, Gravera versus Shane Strickland. Did you call him and Will Asprey? Will Asprey. Uh, Will Asprey. And uh, the women in front of us, and there, yes, there were women at the WrestleCon card, went nuts when Will came out. Um, I, I felt that I this remember- was a less overwhelmingly male crowd than the usual super indie crowd. Yes, especially for 9.30 at night on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty surprised by that. Um, it was probably this match, maybe the match before it, where I looked over and there's a guy in the crowd with a mohawk walking around. I thought, wow, that guy's pretty pretty into his gear. And then finally I realized later, I was like, oh, that was Brian Cage. That's who that was. <laughs> and so I, I kept looking over to my left and then I would see, you know, different people just standing there talking to people. And so Don Callis was standing there next to us for a good you know half hour of the show yeah. and then i that, ran in that's how it was at the end venue too there's just wrestlers just walking around everywhere with the i ran into don callis on the street oh, then like you? the next day yes did and then i you about your comments on wrestling Hawks radio <laughs> it was one of those things where i saw him walking towards me and i'm walking towards him <laughs> in a crosswalk and 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 he was with somebody and i was with my wife and i was like we're just gonna pretend he doesn't know who I am, so yeah, I was like, right. "I'm safe here." Yeah. But he he walks past me, and and then when um, later that night, I went back to my hotel, and out front of my hotel was Josh Matthews, and he like had a little like mini cam, and he was filming something, and so I'm hoping I show up on TNA television, oh. just like walking behind him, so he he's doing mini cam stuff. And then I look over and I was like, I'm 99% sure that's Austin Aries because he's standing next to him. So I get in my hotel. I look over at the board. And after the Observer Q&A, they did a Rise podcast and Rise is a women's promotion. Well, after that was the TNA press conference that was being held in my hotel. (laughs) I had missed it by this point, but they had just gotten out, I think, of the press conference. And that's the press conference that Alberto Del Rio was at attended and then no showed the card the next day yeah there's a teenage joke on raw tonight uh did you hear about it no uh kurt angle uh sammy zing and, and kevin owens went up to kurt angle they're trying to get a job on raw and kurt angle quips i hear tna is hiring <laughs> jeez interesting yeah um but yes so i ran into the tna crew and so don Callis might have also been outside of my hotel there so that was going to be like the third time i saw don Callis that weekend he's stalking yeah, yeah i was like oh my goodness and so yes no there there was only uh this is a, a god's honest truth there was one wrestler i did meet this weekend uh, a wrestler i've never met before who um <laughs> there was an opportunity where he, he was introducing himself uh, to people, and so I, I I said who I was, and he looked at me, and goes, "I know," and just kept going. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know if he was just like you know saying that to say that, or if he really did know who I was, or he was you, you don't know. Want to say who that is? I, I will tell you off air in oh. a Dave Meltzer esque. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, uh, listener upheaval is happening. Right I know they will be very upset about it, but no, it was a uh, it was a wrestler who appeared on WrestleMania. Let me put it that way. How's that? How's that to to create some extra uh, speculation time? Okay, it was interesting. Nicholas must have been Nicholas. It must have been Nicholas. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, so there's the four-way match here. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me is uh, Will Ospreay has is, is got a shoulder injury, but my God, his execution is amazing. Yeah, and he, he had cups, marks all over the back of his, you know, he was getting thing there. So he looks therapy, like his belts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he just looked like he – you actually couldn't see any um thing on his face. I really thought we'd see like a bandage on his face or like a big scar or something. There's nothing from that big cut he apparently, you know, got in Japan from doing the, you know, Spanish fly on the apron type spot. Um, So this was this was a four-man match. It was cool, but there was one spot where somebody, maybe it was Adam Brooks, maybe it was somebody else, ran and did like a standing shooting star press. I and th- the I crowd think you're thinking of Flip Gordon in the main event. Maybe, maybe, but there was just a spot where somebody did one, yeah. and then I turned to you and I was like, "You realize they just did a maneuver that for like ninety percent of the history of wrestling, no one was able to ever execute. Mm-hmm. This guy did it." Did it from a standing position, and the crowd didn't even pop. Yep. Like there was no reaction whatsoever to this. Well, sometimes and so, it's not how you build it, but yeah, I know it what is. You're but it was just kind of one of those things where it was it was almost the epitome of too many moves, yeah. where you're just being like you're you're just doing stuff to do stuff, and it's hard to even pay attention to it. Yeah. Or and just, just the context of a, of a show like this, where you've got so many really talented people who are really capable of doing amazing things, and then you do a standing shooting star press, and especially if it's not really built up in a way that's going to make it really get over strong, it's not going to get that big of a reaction. And if you're doing a show that's of this length at this time of night, yeah. Yeah, and and of course that was the same lesson with WrestleMania. This length at this time of night, how people are going to react to a match, it does play in, and and I feel that very strongly. <laughs> um, after this, we had a six man tag match. This is where we had some big surprises. Mm-hmm. So Brian Cage, David Starr. Uh, it first starts off basically with David Starr coming out doing some promo stuff. Uh, you have Sammy Callahan coming out. You, you eventually then have Juice Robinson coming out, and then uh, Tanahashi is his partner. And so that that's a huge pop. People are pretty excited. And then on the other side, uh, with David Starr and, and Brian Cage comes Minoru Suzaki. Sorry, Minoru Suzuki. My, there you go. Suzuki. I'm slurring my words here this ah. late at night. Um, and that was pretty exciting to see, you know, Tanahashi up live, to see Suzuki up live. Yeah. And just to, you know, Suzuki had obviously stepped in for Loki at the Bloodsport show. So that was exciting, you know, knowing he was already there. But then seeing Tanahashi live on a, you know, a show. Unadvertised. I, I, I felt like I got my money's worth for sure because it's like, holy crap, I got to see him live, got to see him do stuff. And and it was a six-man tag. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, I mean, this it was wasn't, it, it wasn't this was, yeah, this wasn't the finals of G1 no. uh, level of working, nor did it need there, to be. There was no high fly flow. Yeah. No. And, and of course, there was, um, you know, little, little things all over the card with people. At one point, I think it was Trevor Lee. Um, did a promo where he was talking about how the real main event was going to be at the TNA show later this weekend. And then, of course, in this show, uh, Sammy Callahan had a ton of heat for the um, the baseball bat spot with Eddie Edwards. And, you know, there was chance for things like Eddie Edwards and whatnot at Sammy Callahan. And so Sammy Callahan played, you know, like batshit crazy heel is probably the best way to put it. Um, doing, you know, throwing chairs and, and being reckless and, and just trying to be nuts in the same way that I mean, I feel like you could see a promotion being like, ah, oh, I could do that with Elgin. I can bring him in and be like, no, I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> like there's a, I think there's, there's a very example. big difference between someone getting hurt in a wrestling match 
and them deciding that, okay, now we're going to work past this and move on versus someone who's getting allegations that are much more on a, 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 a criminal basis, considering there's now a lawsuit of Elgin against his accuser. Um, I think this was an example of like, not all he is good heat. And, uh, I, 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 he was doing stuff to try to get heat, like tossing a chair recklessly into the ring or something like that. And, and some people booed, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like it got widespread heat throughout the crowd. I think it was a weird dynamic. There was two faces and a heel on each train. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. But I think people are smart to like what he's doing. They, they know, Oh, he's trying to get heat with this. And I think a lot of people, some people, a few people booed. There's some some reaction, but it wasn't a huge, strong reaction that got the heat that now you can, oh, somebody can make a comeback on him and it'll get super over. I think people know he's trying to get heat with this and and we're not going to play along. Yeah, so it was interesting. Um, Suzuki did a whole bunch of spots with, was it Callahan or who, who was Suzuki beating up on? There, there was some, I mean, the finish was Suzuki on Callahan with the arm bar. Yeah, yeah, so. but it was a, it was a fun, fun match. It was fun, but Suzuki also did the same kind of I'm going to pretend to dive and then I'm not going to really dive yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. Not quite with the silliness of Matt Classic, but I kind of felt like they had undercut themselves because it was just two matches earlier, mm-hmm. um, and so it was hard to you know kind of pop for that. Uh, first time I saw David Starr, I thought you know he he's so tiny compared to the other five guys in the ring. Um, but on the flip side, he did have some really great mic skills and attitude and the crowd was into it. And so much like Janela, mm-hmm. he or Janelli, uh, whoever you want to say his name, uh, he, he was selling himself. And this was a show. This was an opportunity on his weekend here, I think, to continue to raise his profile. Yeah, I, I wrote down there one, two, three, four, four guys who stood out to me as as guys who are not under contract any major company already. And and the ones I wrote down were MJF, Janela, David Starr, and Eli Everfly, who I saw on, I believe on the Janela Spring Break show. Guys who were you know again they're not they're not with WWE, they're not with Ring of Honor, they're not with New Japan, they're not with nobody I just mentioned is with Lucha Underground, or and none of them are with Impact. So I, I think these are like four guys who I think you're going to see with some sort of major company. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was great. Great uh, names to call out there because I've never heard of Eli Everfly. So that's a good one. He's an L.A. guy, it looks like. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a an, an area that people could keep a radar of better of like, okay, who are the indie guys out there who are emerging to become indie names who are starting to get flights? They're starting to get booked you know, in places wider around the country or maybe getting flown over to the U.K. or whatever. Who are the guys that we need to pay attention to that nobody really knows yet? I feel like yeah. there could be more done around that. Yeah. So we got a little spoiled at this match because we had Tanahashi showing up. We had Suzuki in there. And so at the end, when um, uh, we had the finish, then it was time for the main event. And uh, it was clear this was the match that sold so many of the uh, the tickets for the night. And the match itself only went about 14 minutes. But the preamble to the match was much longer because Chucky e. T comes out. Chuck Taylor talks about, you know, he wanted to Trent, team with Trent Beretta. Mm-hmm. And then Trent got hurt. And so he's, you know, he's got his fake wrestlers. And so he calls out a whole bunch of people that are going to come out and, and, and do and things. And I'm turning to you going, it's got to be Okada. It's got to be Okada. <laughs> yeah. You got Tanahashi and Suzuki. And this was probably before we even knew Okada was, in fact, in New Orleans for the whole weekend because uh, people kept running into him. Um, 
But yeah, it, it was not Okada. It was not the Swamp Monster who was called out at one point. It was not um, one or two other wrestlers Orange that he had. came out. Um, oh, who's the, uh, I forget his name, the cop guy. The guy with the yeah. wine shirt. Oh, man. Not not Dick Justice, though. A different <laughs> no. cop guy. No. Yeah. Yeah. I would have popped. Dave, uh, Dan, Dan Barry. There we go. Dan, there yeah. we go. It was not and so it, in the end. got Shikana gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was kind of clear at this point that Omega and Obushi were going to be doing more of a comedy thing. Not, not that that was a surprise with Chuck Taylor in the match, but, um, you know, just the silliness of it all. And then in the end, Flip Gordon came out and then they did a kind of a all in Earth. I did enjoy the, the crowd chanting Earth is round at Flip Gordon. Um, we saw them chant at David Starr about, you know, don't touch the display models of the T-shirt, which was something he had tweeted about. Um, we saw there was a lot of that kind of insider uh, stuff that that was interesting to me. But in the end, Flip Gordon came out and the crowd turned. The crowd was not pleased with this choice. Um, I think they were expecting something better. My, I, I, I honestly think Pentagon Jr., Penta L0M could have been put in the spot and the crowd would have bought it mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, Flip Gordon just is not on that level. And as you know, it's kind of one of those people like uh, I don't remember whether Mean Girls or whatever, whatever movie it is where they're just like, stop trying to make Flip Gordon happen. Um, and, and it was one of those two where then you thought, oh, is, is Cody going to run out and, you know, beat up Kenny at the end to build up their match? Nope. So they just had a match. It was fine. Had a, had at least one crazy dive and Flip of course, had lots of cool moves. It was a cool move match. But again, it came on the the tale of all these other cool move matches. So it was fun to see Kenny live. It was fun to see um, cool stuff happen. And it was great, you know, that Kenny and Obushi did their promo afterwards. But it felt very house showy, um, kind of in the the finish there, and and probably a little underwhelming uh, compared to the rest of the card. There's no way I'd say the card wasn't good, and I didn't get my money's worth. But um, there was just silly little things, like you know, I think somebody came out with a live brass band. I think it was Shane Strickland, maybe one of the guys came out with a band as part of their entrance, but they played music over the live band that was playing there. I think it was Chuck Taylor's entrance. Yeah. Chuck Taylor, yes, it was Chuck Taylor's, and it was just like. Don't don't play music over Chuck Taylor's bringing a live band out to play. Well, he wanted to pay tribute to a junkyard dog who came out with a live band, uh, jazz band with uh, at Clash of Champions six at the Superdome. I don't know. Um, I, I but thought it was interesting. Omega Omega does this promo afterward, which he does on you know on I think like any time he's he's in the main event and he wins right, just like when when Tanahashi wins, he has to do the air guitar and, or Survival uh, Tubita. There you go, you know, Atsushi Onita, whoever. Um, and I think, especially in front of a crowd like this on a WrestleMania weekend, the sort of people who are there really, you know, watch a lot of wrestling from around the world. He has a real command with the crowd. That's, on a, on a smaller scale and in a different way, it reminds me of the way that John Cena has such poise when he comes out and he does a promo. Um, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Kenny Omega can be a top star in any promotion in the world um, because he's got the athletic ability. He's got good looks. He's got, you know, poise, but more than that, he's got charisma and you can't teach charisma. That's the, that's the X factor. That's so impossible. I think he's got like a confidence of, he knows he's having in, in a lot of people's minds, the great, some of the greatest matches of all time. And I think he just, I think he, he knows how good he is. He knows that he's he's done this stuff and he's been successful at it. And he knows he's really getting t- 
turning into a big star and uh he's in front of a crowd like that and he i don't know it, it reminds me of the way that john cena just he he, he has confidence in it and he, he knows he has them and he has this poise when he talks in front of them and it just it comes across he comes across as such a big star in a way that nobody else in the business does except for like john cena again john cena on a much larger scale and there's mixed reactions to john cena that there's not for kenny omega but it's it's like a way that like somebody like a roman reigns who's you know who they've tried to make into a star doesn't come across so. yeah that was the right crowd for him i think him being on the card and you know him teaming with obushi was what sold the card out so mm-hmm. it, it, you know, he, the, they were, the crowd was there to see him mm-hmm. and, uh, it was fun. It was a fun show. I'm glad I went. Like I said, there was only about 99 minutes of wrestling content, but there was, you know, it was in, in the end, almost three and a half hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's see. It, so it's start not to finish. start time, but it's, I'm sure it started late. So what's it like nine 45 to one I'm pretty sure I looked at my phone and it was like one when that, when Kenny Omega was finishing up his promo. Yeah. So that's but no, I, yeah, it was it was a good time. I'm glad that um people, you know, were able to attend and see it and have fun. So yeah. Yeah, it so was a, it was a, probably a, almost a four hour show with no intermission. Yeah, and there were still guys out afterwards out there signing autographs, selling merch, you know, standing out there and and working. So I thought, wow, one thirty in the morning, and these guys still have to you know be on be in gear. Yeah, a lot of guys with no shirts on just standing out there. Two in the morning there, which I'm sure is pretty common in, in uh, New Orleans, but still. And and I did the math too on the attendance because we again we know what the number of tickets sold on the floor were, and we know all those ticket prices. So I I took what we know about that, and then I figured it was fifty dollars for general admission, which is got to be among the highest ticket prices for the indie shows on the weekend. And uh, anyway, I did the math, and I I think the gate is somewhere around seventy or eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure it cost a lot of money. When you're getting Tanahashi, Suzuki, uh, all these other big stars on your card, Omega and Obushi, and you know, you know, even even someone like like Emma, uh, Tanil Tanil Dashwood, and you know, she's not working cheap, cheap. I mean, she and then even the Lucha guys. I'm sure there's you know questions about who who pays for you know Bandito to work that weekend. Uh, Let's see, did he do any other matches that weekend? Yeah, he was at the Crash Russell kind of show, of course. That makes more sense. But, um, and he worked PWG earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, not not too long before this. So I'm sure that also helped out, kind of for, you know, his connections with the groups here. But it was a pretty pretty cool show. Like I said, as usual, one less match would probably have worked. No one would have felt cheated, and um, you know, just repetition of spots kills the gimmick sometimes. So that happens. Uh, you made it to progress for a little bit there. Uh, did you did you enjoy the progress show? I, uh, I got called away to a, a lunch engagement, so I was unable to attend. I did. I made it for half of the progress show, and I was so tired from the day before. And from about, about like, what time did you get back to your hotel? I got back to mine at like, oh, I don't know, I guess later than you because I had to drive back. But like, two, you did two thirty, three yeah, and my, in the morning. And I drove my wife nuts because I I came back and I started babbling about the show and I <laughs> fell asleep for like a good hour. Yeah. And so she was she was not pleased with me for for being as I was all jazzed up after right. the show. I think. So it was it was fun. It was fun. I just trying to explain the uh, the Jerry Lawler spot to her after it kind of woke her up. And I was like, let me tell you about this. 
<laughs> don't know if that uh, uh, math there kind of worked. But um, anyhow, uh, so there was that, the progress show. There was also, um, of course, I was at WrestleMania. I went to Access. I was able to see a little bit of Access Wrestling. I, I was at the Access show that was across from ROH and NXT. Mm-hmm. And so the only fans there were the fans that don't care about wrestling. And so it was it was anemic to say best. It was like a hundred some people just kind of standing around the ring, barely making any noise. And so, you know, when Mustache Mountain took on TM sixty one, they did a complete comedy match. They didn't you know, they they did a couple you know, high impact moves, but ninety nine percent of it was silly comedy match with, with Trent Seven. And so it was kind of interesting to see them kind of work a house show in front of like an NXT house show in front of the access crowd. So, so, so this progress show, I'm looking at the card now, and like I remember very little of this, but but this this is a show where um, Darby Allen does a dive to the outside and suffers a concussion. So yeah, that that? Like, awful. he had to be hospitalized, and I don't know if if he continued to wrestle on the weekend, but we're gonna look it up here. I think he was done. I'm pretty sure he was done full weekend. Yeah, he um, I heard heard wrestling afterward. Yeah. Yeah, I heard he he got injured and mentioned uh, it to me because I think he went to the show and said, "Yeah, that was no good." Um, in the end, though, I mean, was it? Uh, do you think of the venue versus the uh, WWN venue? I, I I didn't think that one venue was terribly worse or better than the other. Um, there were concessions available at both, right? Uh, there was beer available at both. There were some really long beer lines. Um, uh, no, I mean the um, I think the WN venue had a, a larger capacity. Is the Progress Show and and the Joy Janela Show yeah, at the right. same venue? Yeah. Okay. And would there at the Pontrain Center, right? Yeah. yeah. Ring of Honor was at yeah. the UNO and, Front Center. Yeah. And and what was parking like? like oh, parking you was you, great. You, yeah, you uh, drove there. there. Tons of parking. What way more than hmm. enough parking? So like, I I don't know where we well, would have parked if we had to park. Uh, at the sugar mill we probably would have found somewhere but but yeah, yeah at the that, wn uh venue so the, it, this was in kenner louisiana which is by the airport so it's on the other side of town basically and there was a ton of parking over there yeah cool cool and then you went to joy right? i didn't have to pay for it i just drove in there i was like wow there's all these parking spots it was great um the Joey G- <laughs> you should have you should have made you should have made your tickets back by offering to I drive really people should've. back to their I, hotel I what was going on there i should have offered some people some rides yeah on, on the, especially that Joey general spring break show i came down at three thirty. but yeah let's see what was on this show um it started with a six-way match that i'm with eli everfly and that's where i, I guess he really impressed me and uh i made a note of it like i said there's you know one of these things that I think it's people over in wrestling. I, I, I wrote it down in this notebook here. There's like, there's a bunch of traditional tenets of wrestling that I think like, you know, the people like Brip Rogers and Les Thatcher and certain WWE agents, probably like Arn Anderson and Jim Ross. They, they espouse these very basic tenets of wrestling that, that, that people like me who have been wrestlers for, you know, 10 plus years have, have heard over and over again. Like you got to slow it down. You got to have charisma and a personality and we need all those things. But there's also these other things that make people stand out. And and now that we're in a world where, like, WWE actually cares about what you do on the indies, 
this stuff becomes even more important. So it's not just like about standing out so you do some stuff on the indies, but it becomes like this is stuff you need to stand out to progress your career towards a place where you can make a full-time living in wrestling or you can become a bigger star or you can be signed by a major company or some signed by somebody who's going to give you a contract that's going to give you a living wage. So, but yeah. Um, no, good, good point. So there was a uh, six-way match, a lot of high-flying, I assume. That was, I think, the intent of it to be like a silly high-flying match, right? Probably. Um, the, so the finish was Everfly doing a double underhook Canadian Destroyer off the top rope, which which looked an awful lot like a pile driver. Yeah, yeah, I bet it did. I, I see that the commentary list of people that say they did commentary for this match includes Ron Funches, mm. who uh, was at, in fact, the WWE Super Show with us. And I pointed out you, you, him you. to you and you said, is he someone? <laughs> Uh, and then we ran into him again yes. on the street, and he made eye oh. contact with me, probably because, like, like, like unnamed WWE wrestler, he knows someone. Who I am. You're someone in the world. He, he's like, I recognize you from that stand-up show I did in Minnesota a few months ago, and you came and you watched me do improv. Hey, or if I was a WWE wrestler, I would be listening to rest, WrestleNomics Radio because I would want to know everything that's going on in the professional wrestling business. Even though we sometimes do things like yes. review independent wrestling shows, like we're doing right now. Um, that's true but but I, I i i'm hoping people forgive us for that because a lot of that is just because i haven't had any time to think about professional wrestling business economics lately and uh it's much easier for me to talk about you know matt riddle versus oh, james ellsworth what a, what a match. It, that was just a, a quick match you know ellsworth being ellsworth and uh the story is he's he's in no place to be in a ring with someone like matt riddle and and uh they did some comedy and then matt riddle i think just he put him in the bro mission and he tapped him out. I was going to say, at some point there was some spot around chins and, and since James Ellsworth didn't have one, he was able to get out of a, a submission or something, a chin lock or Riddle something. Hit him with a knee on the chin and then like, he no sold it. Ah. And then, and then Ellsworth hit two super kicks for a big near fall. Then we saw some elder abuse, um, with, uh, people, people love the Pierre. How do you say his last name? Pierre Carl Ulet. So you do pronounce the T. I've, I've been telling people about this match. Uh, I was just telling people at the school about this match. Oulet. Is it Ulet or Ulet? You know, our French Canadian listeners can correct us because I'm so good at pronunciations. Uh, versus Walter. Uh, so, so PCO is. How, how old is, is Pierre Carl? Uh oh. He, he is, is 50 years old now. Yeah, he, he started wrestling in 87. So him. And uh, super crazy could have had a match when one of them was like uh, one of them was like 14 and one of them was like, let's see, here, much older. But, yeah, so he's been going forever. And there's a lot of guys who have have dealt with him over the years because he still shows up and does like European tours and other stuff. And uh, he's been going for a long time here. But this guy no, doesn't quit. So he's, yeah, he he's, doesn't quit. He's a tough guy. Wrestle elsewhere uh, on this weekend or was it just this match? You can look that up. But, like, this was – so people loved this match. I saw this getting – Only show I know of. So he – so he – what was I going to say? So he, he's get, this match is getting put over big on the internet, right? Because they, they beat the hell out of each other. You, you know who Walter is, right? Like, he's just chopping the hell out of PCO, and PCO is giving it back. And I think one of the things that makes uh, Pierre Carole so special is that, as you mentioned, he's 50 years old. You know, this is a guy that we, you know, saw on TV growing up as kids with the Quebecers. Uh, he had, a, you know, he had a feud with Bret Hart, right? 
And here he is. You know, he used to be in WF in the 90s. And here he is in 2018 at the age of 50. And he's embracing the modern indie style. I think that's why... And, and he's doing it well enough that it's it, that it's a marvel to watch. Um, Did you see that picture of him yeah, after his, the match? I mean, people are saying, his chest is black. It's... Yeah. They chopped the hell out of each other. And he did like this... Un- unwieldy moonsault off the top rope, which is one of my the cannonball. Is that the cannonball is, is that like a, he's got a yeah. name for that? Yeah, that was one of his famous a moves. To the yes. outside to the floor. Yeah, basically a front set on right. He did a backflip. Oh, and it was like okay. one of my friends says it's like when you throw a cat out a window. Like it, it, it wasn't pretty, but <laughs> but my we used to call that the loose salt. But yes, <laughs> it, it wasn't pretty. But my god, it got over because. He's so old. Yeah. What is he doing? And he's he's trying so hard. He's working so hard. And um, was it at the right place in the show to do a match like that, knowing you know kind of what it became? I don't know. Maybe this should have been the main event. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, and and they just had you know strike battles and stuff. And strike battles done well and done in a way that uh, another one of the notes I have here on my my modern indie wow factors is exceptional toughness which i have in parentheses fire like when you show people i, th- I think all these things on under these wild factors that i have is like people want to see especially a, an audience of this type a, a knowledgeable wrestling audience they i think these these audiences today of, of these of this type they know how crucial their reactions are to the success of a show so they want to see stuff that is in some way real whether that's your personality or whether that's emotion or whether it's some physical thing that you can do or whether it's a 50-year-old man having the shit beaten out of him, but he keeps standing back up and firing back up. Like, that's exceptional and real on a certain level. And that's why I think somebody like him, Pierre Carolet, uh, connects with people, at least on this night when he wrestled Walter. Um and and they did some great promos too, breaking you know leading up did to they? this I don't where even they know were doing that. feats oh, wow. of strength. And, oh yeah, they did like you know bending bars Amazing. and things like that. It was some 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 fun stuff, and uh, I think I think they're really smart to kind of uh, capture that moment in time that you know he's able to go enough right now to do that, and uh, he's he's showing how tough he is, and you know fans enjoyed it. It was the right match at the right time with the right people, yeah. for sure. I should mention, too, so, so this is Joey Janela's spring break, of course. 11.55 start time. Really starts maybe quarter after, 20 after. Um, he did joke about that at the Q&A, where he said, you know, 11.55 start time, so we'll yeah. start, I don't know, right. one thirty it's, it's, two. It's, and but he was joking because he knows that indie shows have such a bad rap about yeah, this stuff. But it's eleven fifty five, so there's no confusion about like what day it is. I get it. But but anyway, so the the crowd at before this show starts, the atmosphere in the crowd, you know, it's it's only just past midnight, so they still have lots of energy, and um, there's a buzz in the crowd and an excitement in the crowd to, that that made me feel like. This is this is the cool place to be right now for for the the type of wrestling fan who's here in New Orleans on this weekend. Like this is the coolest show to be at. I, I think obviously I only went to a couple shows, so I don't I don't really know what it felt like at at all of them. It's like the under underground rock club where it's like you, you want to be at that cool show in town and you're part of that cool the happening. And, uh, and so the the show hasn't started yet, but they you know, they they played some videos, you know, some of these hype videos that they did. 
And uh, but then, then just before the show is really going to start, um, you know, they're playing some background music and stuff. And uh, next up on on the sound system is you know, Queens Bohemian Rhapsody, and uh, and this crowd in the state that they're in, you know, probably not a lot of sober people in the crowd, but uh, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody starts playing and people just start singing it. Like this crowd is so excited and kind of like bonded in a way, and I feel like they they sing, they started singing the song, and and as they sang it, it was like you know this community of wrestling fans who are who who you know who love Queen or who love wrestling, and they're they're really ready, they're really excited to start watching this show together. I uh, I, I instantly uh, texted, I don't know instantly, but maybe the next day I texted uh, my favorite wrestling pr- promoter. Uh, and I told him, you need to start playing Bohemian Rhapsody before, you know, five minutes and 55 seconds before you're ready to kick <laughs> off. It bond the crowd. I agree. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, WWE had a cover band uh, outside of WrestleMania yeah, this year. Sure so, I, I mean, that. yeah, they see, I, think there's a, I think there's something to be learned. Our next match uh, would was, you know, that cover band played essentially near the parking lot for the Superdome. Oh, so it wasn't in the stadium. And this next match... Included uh, no 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 it was like in the the holding area outside but um uh the this next match included a man who would have fought you at that parking me? lot Mr Nick Gage versus Penta L Zero M because uh, uh I heard Nick Gage challenged anybody to a fight yes, in the parking lot if they really need so it. this was just after the WN Super Show where I believe he was also challenging people to fight him in the parking lot but yeah no, the the crowd was real hot for this both of these guys are very over with this audience Pentagon uh, people are chanting Cerro Miedo for him and people are chanting MDK which I don't know what it stands for but it has something to do with Nick Gage and um yeah I mean you know Pentagon is this special character in independent wrestling right now who's got this amazing look that everybody loves, great personality, fun to watch in the ring. And Nick Gage is this guy who is a real uh, former prison inmate who comes across as very real because he is. <laughs> and he's, he's challenging people. It's, it's, it's weird, right? Like you would think somebody who's challenging, who's a, a you know, XCon and he's challenging people to fights in the parking lot. Like this sounds like a heel, right? And like he 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 is, you know, swearing at people, certain people in the crowd. And there's like you know one fans standing up and giving him the finger, or, or you know taunting him to come on or whatever. But other than than that, other than basically those cat calls, the crowd is loving him because I think they just again they see him as real and they believe him as real. You could make a good argument that he has, uh, unlike a lot of wrestlers, has actually paid his uh, sentence. He's paid his hard time. For the most part. He's done his hard time. And so, you know, uh, he, he, he has – if you do believe in redemption stories, I don't know whether he's redeemed or not, but he, uh, he has certainly served well, his time. There was an uh, unprotected chair shot in this match too. Um, I think Nick Gage goes for a, a tope and – it might have been the other way around. Anyway, one one hits the other right in the head with a chair. No hands up, no nothing. And then that was one of the one of the things on, on the list from the Louisiana State Athletic Commission about things that they weren't going to allow. But you know, whatever that they weren't going to allow. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, singles match with David Starr versus uh, Mike Quackenbush. I know this was supposed to be like a uh, David Starr dream match. He he was heavily influenced by Quackenbush and really wanted to uh, have this match. 
was uh, the way it was kind of put together. Um, else. I think I ran into somebody I knew, and uh, I don't know. But I, I do remember, so who went over? David Starr won, and uh, David Starr did a promo yeah. afterward, putting over Quackenbush so strong, and putting over wrestling so strong, and yeah. yeah. And basically what you said about how influential yeah. Mike Quackenbush is to wrestling. Would, which makes you wonder, like, if Chikara had been able to get into this kind of wrestling... WrestleMania themed weekend. Could Chikara have found a different set of legs yeah. for themselves? I, yeah, I th- now I think, you know, compared to where they were, you, you know, where they are now, which they their their luster has really faded quite a lot from kind yeah, of their that's heyday. One thing that has stood out to me when I've counted up the social media followers that everybody has, and like to to think that maybe counting up social media followers would give you a suggestion about like which are the most buzzworthy indies out there, and Chikara at least last I did, it still ranks at like number one or number two for at least some platforms. Um, and mm. uh, that obviously does, it doesn't gel with the reality of what indies are, I don't know, doing impressive things, let's say. And, 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 and it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you have Janela's clearly being influenced by kind of the Chikara style in the sense that, Jakaro made its name doing all everything from we can't believe you got these guys back together. You know, you got the power of pain, the, right. the powers yeah. of pain back True. wrestling in your tournament to the let's find the super indie guys and let's put them in weird matches. You know, it's almost the war style of like, can you believe these guys are wrestling mm-hmm. each other? And so, it, it, you know, it, the, the exception being, of course, Jakara always kept much more of a family-friendly attitude towards things, and and clearly Nick Gage, I don't think, appeared on too many Jakara shows. Though Eddie Kingston, uh, someone that you don't normally think of uh, one way, but you know, actually was you know fundamental to Jakara's kind of uh, longevity. But also just for year, I remember when I was getting into wrestling, the idea of going and working for Jakara was kind of like considered one of those super indies that you could get into. And that would be a big deal for you. And then over time, PWG kind of took over that name. But for a while there was like, if you make a name at Jakara, you maybe you'll make a name in this industry. So I guess it's kind of unfortunate for Jakara that they, their luster wore off, uh, not in time for this indie wrestling boom, at least on WrestleMania weekend that we experience of like, they... well, I mean, you could also argue maybe it's one of these, you know, you, you either die a star or you live long enough to see your, your legacy, uh, fall to pieces. Cause I mean, th- th- let's be honest, let's be honest. Th- there's one of the reasons that I think Chikara had some issues is some people were like, Oh, this is going on behind the scenes and this is going beyond. And you know, those, those kind of, debates about you know personnel there are personnel stories the way that wrestling chikara yeah exactly and so i just mean like it's one of those where i don't think it's that it's a shame that chikara doesn't have this opportunity now i feel like in some ways what they were like oh they really deserved it no i just mean like it's a it's a decade later like they they contributed to the the fabric and the patchwork that is wrestling and i think that's great that you know i i think it's cool that you know people are able to give back and it's it's so interesting, but I just wonder if you know, kind of, as we talk about all the different styles of wrestling that could have been shown on a WrestleMania weekend, if we, we would ever see more of a Chikara style in the past. I should look up to see if Chikara ever did a WrestleMania type show. Maybe they will one of these years. While you're doing that, the Invisible Man won the clusterfuck. Um, <laughs> what did you uh, think of this? It was fine. I mean, it was like a gauntlet scramble match for like every I don't know what the were but like every so often someone would come out and, and be in the match um 
do you have a list of everybody that was in it? Uh, yes, wanna... yes, I do. But I, it doesn't. Does it really matter? No, I guess it doesn't. Um, Dan Severn but, was yeah, there. Ethan Page was, was there. A Mikey Ripwreck was there. Grado was there. Uh, Nate Webb was there. Uh, Ricky Shane yeah. Page, Swoggle. Uh, I'm I'm just naming some of the Alabama, Alabama Doink, Doink, which, which is, is like does does which everybody is get the, the Alabama very, Doink joke of like I, I get it because I've been on shows where like Doink shows up and pretends to be like the the original Doink, but he's really just some old guy in Doink gear. I heard once like oh, here's a great story. It has nothing to do with WrestleMania weekend, but I uh, the, one of our students like went to a show and told me about it. In, I don't even know. I think it was in Pennsylvania or something. But uh, he went to this show and worked the show, and there was a seminar before the show. And guess who was running the seminar? Doink. Alabama Doink. I don't know if it's Alabama Doink, but some some bogus Doink <laughs> was like showing people how to do stuff, and I, I heard it was really bad. But yeah, um, well, uh, I think the other half of Alabama Doink is that Bix has the copy of this tape where it's Heidenreich versus Alabama Doink. And the Death Valley Driver video review guys just for years would talk about this as just being kind of the epitome of – and I'm sure I'm butchering the story. But in my mind, it was always that it's the epitome of just kind of southern indie trash wrestling. But like like you say, it's it's the fun of having a terrible right. doink on an indie right. wrestling card. And it's indie wrestling – it's southern indie wrestling yeah. sleaze, which you know I, I have a soft spot in my – my my heart for and you know the idea of calling it the 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 the, the cluster f battle royal is is important like that's right. the idea it's, it's self-aware independent you know, wrestling the, it, the part of the reason why this show connects with people the way it does is because they're sort of taking ownership of the weird stuff that we've all experienced when we go to indie shows and just being like yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do the clusterfuck match and 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 I should also mention that it, the old uh, Ebison, yeah, uh, aka uh, Kito Taro, was, was yeah, which is exciting. He he would actually been you know I think I was talking about someone saying like the only guy I'd probably super super duper mark out for would probably be like Terry Funk, Survival Tobita, and oh. Ebison. Like like meeting him would have been the, the the cool coolest guy just because I, I, I they're the the top of their game you know fighting monsters mm-hmm. fighting uh. Fighting sanity and and uh, well, you, you should everything else. Show WrestleMania weekend <laughs> next year and, and book these people and uh, oh man, WrestleMomics yeah. presents and then to get on the show you have to mathematically prove why you should be on the show. Sure. I feel like I feel like Rory Gulick would be uh, down for yeah. figuring it yeah. out in game yeah. system. Seems like the sort of guy who'd figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's forty minute match. That long? Did it drag yeah, or was it was it probably fun? that long? It yeah. was, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of people coming and going, so it's not like it's the same match like some other forty minute matches would be. But yeah, uh, so the Invisible Man uh, did a lot of. He worked really hard in this match. He, he ducked a lot of clotheslines. It's it's a I don't know. It's funny to see people work spots, you know, and just see how easily they can do spots without another actual human there, or at least an Invisible Man there. Well, speaking of ducking clotheslines, I, f- I felt that way in the Cena Undertaker match where. Uh, Cena threw an under threw a clothesline and and somehow Undertaker got below it and I was like how in the world is Cena throwing an a a clothesline that high because I know Undertaker's not ducking that yeah. low. So uh, the rules of this match were I think you, you can be eliminated by pinfall or submission or, or by being thrown over the top rope, but dives don't count. Or you can be eliminated from the match by being ejected from the building. And uh, what happened? Somebody did a. Oh, Jimmy Lloyd gave the Invisible Man a pile driver, 
and uh, was ejected from the building because you can't be doing that stuff. Yes, yes, they they did a whole angle there with the commission, right? I mean, no, like not like yeah. the commissioner came out. I did see, I did see a representative no. from the Louisiana State Athletic Commission there, though, because they had like the little emblem on their jacket. So, so at least at one point, I don't know if it was at this show or another one, but there was, there was some presence from the commission. Yeah, I, 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 I do kind of love the fact that this became its own storyline. Yeah, uh, you know, snake eating the 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 yeah. tail on the that's opposite side. Like where you gotta, I, I feel like that's what modern wrestling should be, and I feel like this is kind of to, to some extent at least is what WWE could be and could connect with people better. Is you take take the real stuff that's really happening. Especially we we failed to mention that the Joey Ryan promo was Lawler, you can't pile drive yeah. me because it's illegal here in Louisiana. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. They they use that as part of their gimmick. Yeah. Exactly. So we're living in a world, and I know this this is this audience is special and different, but um, because I I do feel like at a certain point though, it's like I don't want the hey Roman Reigns is on the mic and he's telling everyone Brock Lesnar is about to leave. And, you know, he's he's the golden boy who only has to he's got a better contract than the rest of us. It's like, I don't know if that's the, the stuff I really want. In my but that, that so there is a line. It me. doesn't reflect the real narrative, though. The real narrative is that at least the perception is that people perceive as Roman Reigns as Vince's boy, not Brock Lesnar. Maybe Brock Lesnar is get, getting special treatment as well. But but it's it's a narrative that insults people's intelligence and tries to make people think that Roman Reigns isn't held in some regard by the office fair enough fair enough but you, you enjoyed the invisible man which again straight up my alley he, he, for, he won. you know crazy he ass won. gimmick yes he won and and i i love the fact the crowd could follow that the invisible man was yeah. doing these things and was that was the commentary piped over the house mic or anything no. no okay so you guys were literally figuring this out just by watching the match yeah, sure what a smart group of people you must be. Smartest wrestling fans in the world. Smarting wrestling fans in the world. A lot of smiles in those faces, that's for sure. Uh, a lot of alcohol um, induced. You, but you mentioned, <laughs> Matt, you, you mentioned Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who's only uh, 22 years old and actually sounds like he's part of MLW uh, probably, in some yeah. way. Uh, he's only been wrestling for but, um, a short time. Yeah, yeah but, but what, what did he do to impress you? You mentioned he impressed um, you. Impressed. He looks like a wrestler. He looks like a star. He looks like somebody who is a legit asshole. Maybe he is. I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people chanted EC2 at him because he does look like a junior EC3. Oh, okay. So he, I know which guy this is now. He's the guy that in the in the ten man, yeah, in the ten man yeah, yeah. match. You noticed that I said there was a nine-person submission because he came in and then he refused to do the submission spot and started kicking everybody. And uh, I, I was wondering who that was. So that's who that yeah, guy was. Yeah, Got yeah. it. I thought he was. I thought we were talking about Mister Three Hundred Five, but uh, that is someone totally yeah. different. And he came out, I think, on this show doing a promo, and he's he's clearly, I don't know, natural and confident on the microphone, and he does come off as somebody who a lot of people, or at least wrestling fans, would be rubbed the wrong way by. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And then um, in the yes. main event, you had the Seuss, the 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 uh, the wooden barrel loving man yeah. himself, great the Suske great, versus Joey Janela. Joey Janela went to the ring at I don't know the show ended at three thirty, so probably three three a.m. or so. And uh, I don't know they did a bunch of crazy stuff. And uh, let's just cut to the chase. They 
uh, somehow or another, a uh, a plastic bin got in the ring. There's no wooden barrel, but the plastic bin got in the ring, and um, I think Janela was laid out on a table on the outside, and uh, Sasuke got the bin and tried to put it over his body, kind of got it over his head, started to climb the ropes, and it fell off. And then he picked it back up, and he got it arranged again and started to climb the ropes, got his foot on the top rope, and then it fell off again. And then he picked it back up, and he started to put it on himself, and the referee even like got his hands up there to try to help him, and then it still it fell off. And I don't, I don't know. So I think it might have even fallen to the floor or something at some point. But anyway, he finally just like grabbed it and just threw it down on Janela, and that was it. So they did, they did not get to do the uh, the beloved barrel spot. But uh, but was there a uh, a ladder? I'm sure there involved? was. They did all sorts of crazy stuff. They went through tables. They I don't know what did they do here. Just uh, in, back in January on a Russell One Tour match, it was Mudo, Great Susuke, Ultimo Dragon versus Dick Togo, Kaz Hayashi, and Shunji Kudu. Amazing! So, uh, wow, that is an incredible. He's he's been doing a lot of tags with the Brahmin Brothers in uh, Japan, and uh, or tags uh, against the Yapper Man One and Two <laughs> with Ultimo Dragon. Uh, a true legend, though. Uh, one of the one of the guys that I think is is uh, very underrated in terms of kind of um, importance in yeah yeah and just the development of founding Michinoku the right um, yeah just just that 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 lucha yeah. Japanese style that you know he helped kind of uh, usher in along you know Grand Hamada mm-hmm. too but but Susuke is just so important in and then just the interactions he has with all the different groups at so the time and kind of just different Sasuke than you may have grown up watching in uh, the super J cup or the J crown. Um, this is a, I don't know, a, a, a yellow or orange painted Sasuke in, in pretty good shape for he's 48 years old and he's still in pretty good shape and, and but he's much more like a crazy spot wrestler, even more than he was before more more weapons and crazy stuff and uh so again this is like 3 a.m by the time this match goes to the ring maybe even a little bit later than that and people are really starting to walk out um yeah if you're gonna do a midnight start show it's got to be a shorter show but yeah lots of people left you know during or even before this match started but, uh, you know, I don't know, enough people were, were left. There were a lot of people still enjoying themselves and having a good time. But, yeah, um, Janela goes over the stomp to the gut or whatever and, uh, and wins. And uh, they, they finish the show by uh, Sasuke and, and Janela, but mostly Sasuke, singing It's My Life by Bon Jovi. I heard that that they uh, they again understood the uh, importance of karaoke to mm-hmm. the wrestling fans. And uh, it's interesting. So, like I said, there's a lot of wrestlers just walking around and stuff. And uh, and as I was watching it there, uh, I, I watched. I, I stood on the floor and kind of among the seats there, sort of in between groups of seats. Like you know, one side there's a bunch of seats, and then on the other side there's a bunch of seats. So I sat, stood sort of in the middle, and then I could see like across from me on the other side of this group of seats. Also watching this match very closely was uh, Daisuke Sekimoto. So he, he was just 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 uh, uh, spellbound by this match. I, I was going to say, I, I saw pictures of him in the crowd uh, watching this. And I'm sure some people thought, you know, like like Okada, he's going to show up and do something else. But no. He's no. just watching it, man. He loved I think, it. Uh, I, I mean, he's just, I don't know that he loved it, but he was, he was watching it like a child. Like just, just gazing at the ring. It was great. 
I'm just looking here to see if he did any matches this he weekend. He did. Um, yes, he did. He uh, beat mm, Keith oh, Lee wow. on the uh, Mercury Rising show on um, the WWN Live Super Show on the uh, the the six, and he and he wrestled on uh, Evolve. He wrestled. Uh, yeah, he wrestled a couple matches on Evolve. So yeah, he he was there to work. And then I'm guessing did Okada even wrestle this weekend? Maybe he was on the ROH show. Yeah, let's see here. Okada was no, no. I don't have a record that Okada wrestled on the uh, the show. Which doesn't so. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing you know he he came with the rest of the New Japan crew. He probably did some signings at WrestleCon somewhere in there. And uh, just came to hang out in New Orleans and have not a good his time. First WrestleMania. He's, yeah, he's no, I guess people. not. I heard Rey Mysterio was backstage at WWE events all weekend. So uh, you know, let's see how well that bodes for Arrow Lucha. In fact, actually, wasn't Arrow Lucha going to give us a big announcement? Remember, I told you last week that he that we were promised a big announcement by the investor of Arrow Lucha. That here, let's see here. Yeah, he had a whole thing where he said he was going to do an announcement on the weekend of WrestleMania when he did. We broke $65,000 in 50 investors. Please look for a press release regarding Rey Mysterio next Tuesday, April 3rd. We must have missed it. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, where, where was this uh, press release? Maybe it was just uh, the tweets that he uh, sent to Sean Radican or something. I don't know. I'm just typing in April 3rd press release. Um, no, it does look like he did. Uh, it, it it was a press release release. It says they are proud to announce that Rey Mysterio will star in season one to be filmed later this year. Rey has a non-exclusive deal with Era Lucha and has been announced as a stockholder on the company and on the advisory board. Conan, a long-term mentor and friend to Rey Mysterio, will lead a writing team. That's a... Oh, I'm sorry. I I just have to laugh because a it's just funny to me whenever someone is like, and my friend is is booking the promotion, so it's yeah. gonna be good. Uh, and and b just be like, what if you're not friends anymore? Does does he lose his writing job? Like, what does that mean? Um, so yeah, that was their their announcement was that they had a non exclusive deal with him. Which again, if you're an investor, isn't that the one thing you want to read? Yeah, I, I want to know that. By the way, none of my talent is locked down. Just want want to be clear, though. They're going to star in a season that I'm going to tape for unknown well, television. He's going to make deals with WWE, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm 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 being very critical, and you know, there's an opportunity for them to to grow. But that is my my challenge. Is that uh, I I I think it's very funny that his big announcement was that we don't in fact have a well, guy locked down. SS tattoos. I don't have much sympathy for you. So. I am not, not you. When he yeah, is. Okay. Let's be very clear. Yes. This is not Mookie who I, did that. I, I, the, the, uh, the, the figurative you, you, you being Jason Brown. Yes. yes. Uh, but yes, um, we are reaching the end of our show for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, this is all it you're going to It is now 1 a.m. Uh, uh, on the East Coast. And uh, the show is running yes, long. It is midnight. Again. It is midnight right now for me. So we might talk again uh, this week. We might not talk again until next week. We will see when we talk uh, again. But it has been good yeah. talking with you, Brandon. It's WrestleMania good had a $14.1 million gate. Third biggest per wrestling gate of all time. I th- a little, little bit higher than you yeah. guessed. You had guessed it was going to be, what, 13.4 yeah, yeah, or something? I guessed, yeah. 
though it's funny, like you said, you used a number of some 60,000 people, 65,000 yeah. people, and you came up with 13.4 million. And they used their number and they got 14-something million people and uh, $14 million. And I just thought, hmm, uh, I'd be curious. You know, you'd think with the number that they announced for attendance that it would be much higher for the gate uh, using that same kind of logic and math well, that you're they're, using. They're, they're not expecting people to do math, so only only us. Yeah, like, like well, someone pointed out that on tonight's uh, the this documentary about the Raw twenty five anniversary show, Tim Viper mentioned to us that apparently they made a claim that thirteen billion people have consumed Monday Night Raw, <laughs> and even if you take five million people per episode times thirteen hundred episodes, that's only half that number, six and a half billion. Well, maybe consuming it and so something different. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's like so now maybe basically they're implying. Yeah, I can't even I can't even do the math to like figure out what what does that mean to get there is like what to get 13 billion people. There's not 13 billion billion with a B. There's not 13 people, 13 billion people on the planet. There's 8 billion people on the planet. What are we talking about? <laughs> but but you're not, <laughs> but you're not thinking about all the people that died. You know, these are think about all the people how, how uh, Buddy Rogers watched an episode of Raw, including once, that was obviously you know what this means? You know, because <laughs> they're assuming 10 million people have watched every episode of Raw. <laughs> this is hurting my head, too, <laughs> especially because you're assuming that the 10 million people, when you add them up week after week, you're not you, you don't get to count them separately. <sighs> I'm broken. Listen to WWE math at midnight is not something I can deal with right now. Everybody. Ronda Rousey did a great job. She did way better than I thought she did would. Um, yeah. It was a long show. Uh, the crowd turned with the beach balls. They were very excited by the beach balls yeah. at the end. It was fun to um, uh, be there live. I sat with uh, Jeff Hawkins, Crap Game 13, uh, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I was sandwiched in between a, um, uh, a, a, a young man sitting in front of us who was uh, probably autistic, who knew the words to every single song, all the lyrics, including like when you get the deep cuts of the, mm -hmm. the verses, um, who was very into it, and it was very enjoyable uh, being near him. And then a, another uh, developmentally disabled or not, not uh, a different probably another autistic man sitting next to me. I shouldn't say developmentally disabled. I, that's not true. But um, uh, on the other side of me, who was very, who didn't really want to watch the wrestling, so kind of just stared at us oh. the whole time, which was mm -hmm. a little weird. And then behind us was uh, these two guys who showed up only for the Kevin Owens match. And uh, they were very unimpressed with his physique. And they wanted to let us know about that. So they just wanted so, to see uh, it was match. very. No, I don't know. They they came. They were bombed out of their mind. They sat there. They just they would tell a joke and then they'd repeat it. It was like sitting next to Jerry Lawler. They would just repeat the same line over and over and over and over again. And then they they were they had to pee. And so then luckily the the bathrooms of the Superdome enveloped them for the rest of the time. 
Yeah. So they disappeared. I never saw them again. It was the weirdest thing. The the row behind us was completely empty for like half the show, and then people finally filed in. And then the two seats next to be the two seats in between where Hawkins was sitting and where Alyssa and I sat, my wife. Um, there was they never showed up, which was good because then we gave us a little bit more room to kind of uh, sit together. And then uh, uh, it was it was a fun show. It was just very it's I, I always wonder and, and that this would be a question I have for the crowd for people that go to other sporting events is compared to other sporting events. Do you think that there is more people with um, physical disabilities or um, develop developmentally challenged adults or um, adults on the spectrum that attend WWE events compared to other, say, sporting events like football or or soccer. I'd be very curious what what our audience thinks. Yeah, it was just something I was thinking about this this week while I was there, and because I, I think WWE does a good job of you know kind of being accessible to that group, and I think uh, that's that's important uh, in these situations. And of course, when you're at a big event like WrestleMania, it's not like a lot of these people come by themselves. They bring their whole family. And so it's always this interesting spectrum of people where you can kind of tell like, Oh, this is the fan. Oh, this is the parent. This is the caregiver. This is the, uh, the brother, the sister. And so it was, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun being there, being live, uh, seeing it all. We had a uh, pretty decent seats and, uh, it was a lot of fun to see, you know, some of the bigger moments, like uh, for me, seeing the Bludgeon Brothers win their, their titles was really exciting and really fun. So I was really happy to see that. So good times. Good times indeed. We'll talk more about it at another date. If you have any feedback for the show, you can send us emails at WrestleNomics at gmail.com. You can hit us up on, on Twitter at WrestleNomics. Um, we are also on Twitter. I'm at Mukigana. You're at Brandon Thurston. If you want to hear and, a 23-minute uh, review of the W Network subscriber numbers, you can go to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. It's available there for all but if you listen to it at subscribers. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, if you listen to it at, at like one and a half speed, though, it's only like 18 yep. minutes. Time is a resource. Yeah, so, you know, we, we, can, we can make it in the time it would take you to get to the front of the Superdome line and then discover that they are, in fact, out of everything. Uh, including toilet paper. You can... Including toilet paper. <laughs> you can listen to the show. So, we hope you do. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, uh, uh, you know, the kind words and things that you've done this week uh, to hang out with us. And we've enjoyed meeting so many of you. And we look forward to meeting more of you. Uh, again, maybe at All In or maybe at another event down the line. See you later, folks. Bye-bye. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.